Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From heads of students in Dublin, welcome to Mother Folklore, a podcast about words, Irish, Irish words, and words from Ireland. I am Dara Cushane. And I'm Padraig Quivonic. I'm Clodagh McGinley. And I'm Oscar Kira. And we are here today to talk about something that's very important. Very often in Ireland, we'd be reading, you know, newspapers, reading news in our phones, seeing articles, hot takes by certain, you know, individuals. They talk in Irish, you know, costs a lot, you know. It's very harsh. So you, you get a good price for a sign, and then they finally got to put the words in Irish as well. And it, adds, it adds an extra, like, six euro to the price. <laughs> we hear a lot about how, how much Irish costs, how much, you know, is spent this, but we never really talk about it. How do you value something like Irish? If you're only looking at the costs, you never look at the value. You never really get the full picture. That's just plain business, isn't it? Yeah. The, one of the things that really sticks out, though, is like the, the mental acrobatics that some people went through when it was proposed to uh, sort of just take another look, a bit of a sulella at the way Irish is positioned on road signs, that it would be increased because it's it's a slightly, the, the, the italic transport is slightly smaller. They wanted to increase it, increase the prominence, make it a little bit more legible for people who rely on the Irish language signs. And of course, the first thing that people were saying was the cost, the cost, the cost. It was like, no, no, this will only happen as the signs are replaced. It will only happen as the natural attrition goes, as a sign is being replaced, which they have to be every couple of years, it will be replaced with something that has the new improved positioning, the slightly different colours so that the Irish stands out a bit more. And still, people were bending over backwards to try and say that we couldn't afford this. So, you know, people will tie themselves into knots to try and attach a cost to whatever, whatever your cultural bet noir is. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? If you don't like, if you don't like uh, poetry, you'll attach a cost to you know, oh, I can't believe they paid poets to read at the 1916 celebration. Really now, is 1916 anything to do with poetry now? Really, really, is it now? <laughs> really, is and like, it? And like Clodagh's interpretive dance that she did for the 1916, was like, how much money did you get for that again? Excuse me? You were at that interpretive <laughs> dance festival? I was, yeah. I have absolutely no idea what's going on. Yeah, so, but my point is that sometimes, yeah, you know, it's cultural, uh, cultural. <laughs> the worst thing, I didn't, Wait, know, I, I didn't know that that was a joke because. <laughs> That's what I was thinking as well. I was like, is this, and the funny thing is that like in Irish dancing, there is a dance called the invention. So I was like, is this. I, so, yeah. I, did, I, did I say there was a 1916 invention? Yeah, did Clodagh do this? Like, cause it's like. No, I, I could. Because like, like literally, <laughs> like 
Shabelle Davitt like just won the Markovich scholarship to do an interpretive dance about the role of women in Irish society from 1916 on. Like it's like and waste how, of money. How much <laughs> that costs? <laughs> um, but it's but the thing is yes. So like it's it's a fact that say with a lot of cultural cultural things that that receive state funding, they have to they have to squeeze every penny. They tend to be actually extremely efficient, whereas some of those lar- large ticket public spending items are often wildly inefficient because they actually have lots of money and they, they have a greater scope to make mistakes, not because they're bad, just because of human nature. Uh, but that's not really where we're getting at today. Oscar, because of your vast knowledge of economics <laughs> and finance and, and the, those uh, kinds of topics. Uh, and because of those sweet, sweet Guelga grants that you get. <laughs> I know. You should see, I was looking at outside. I see you took the red Ferrari today. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but not the drop top because it's riding up. <laughs> so specifically, so, I mean, when you're looking at something like an, an inta- possibly an intangible asset, you can't pick up the Irish language and, you know, lift it, weigh it, chop it into pieces. What you can do is say, if this, if we were to look at the value this way, we were to value another intangible asset or another kind of, um, say something like, or another priceless artifact. How would we go about that? Well, you're really looking, like when you're look, trying to value a, an intangible asset, you're really looking at the kind of the, well, there's a few different ways to do it and there's a few different definitions of intangible assets. Yay! <laughs> None of which I know off the top of my head. <laughs> um, but like, I, th- I think, if you're talking about, like if we rewind a little bit, like yeah. I mean, if you're talking about the value, the intangible value of it, this state wouldn't exist if it wasn't for it. If it wasn't for the Irish language movements, there would be probably no state here. Yeah. Which is the context where we value everything. So you're going, okay. Yeah. Um, that would be the first thing. Uh, the second thing is you're looking at goodwill. You're looking at the value of goodwill, i.e. how much business will this goodwill get you over time now? Because... Assets generally depreciate over time. You have to treat all these things slightly differently. We would like to think that the, this particular intangible asset doesn't mm-hmm. depreciate over time. I think it's oversimplistic, and I know, I, like, I think it's oversimplistic to kind of say, "Look, listen, it has it has a particular value that you can measure, but you might be able to measure what would happen if you were to get rid of it." Yeah, you, you'd you, you'd you'd uh, you'd value maybe the damage that it might do to the economy. You can then take the Irish language sectors and different things and go, well, how much money, uh, how much money is generated there? And if you, if you remove all that, what happens? Um, if you're looking for this nice, neat, big figure, it's mm-hmm. worth this, you're not going to get it. Like, and, and no matter what definition you come around to, yeah. to, to arriving at, it'll be disputed. Like intangible assets of the value are disputed hotly yeah. already. Because I was thinking of this recently. <laughs> and like, are you oh. talking? You're right. No. But do I write a story? With Chumbas oil. Yeah, yeah, I'm Chumbas oil. Sorry about that, Brian. Ah, I had a frog in my throat. Oh. I was wondering why you were being so quiet. <laughs> but I was thinking just because recently there was people were just talking about the value of the British royal family to the British economy, and said, yeah, they, people like the Queen, but say someone like like Prince Andrew's children who receive a certain amount of state funding mm. for their weddings and so forth. I mean, like uh, how much of those things? But I'm, 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 well, so I'm, that's I'm, easier. I'm not, yeah, not getting too deep into that one because we know that they're, that they value. This people would probably still go to see the. Well, um, People would still go to see what's that place they live in? The Buckingham Palace. Buckingham Palace. People yeah. go to see empty buildings all the time. Yeah, 
I mean, people got to see empty buildings quite a bit. I've traveled around Europe looking at empty buildings. They're lovely. Like I wasn't, I, but well, you can. You see, there's a, there's a formula you can do for that. You go X amount of tourists in. Yeah. What percentage of tourists attribute this as their main reason for coming? There's ways to chop and, and and dice that up, and then you look at the cost of obviously paying for all the gaffes. Yeah, and all the maintaining the gaffes, car crashes, giving them salaries, <laughs> a new Range Rover every time they new ding Range it, Rover, yeah. and yeah. P- 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 or for every time uh, Prince Philip says something. They should really just have, have him as 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 Boris Johnson's personal driver. It would solve an awful lot. Of that would be incredible. Uh, the, um, and you just know that Prince Philip makes women driver jokes. That's the worst. Oh thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Which is why we should make Prince Philip driver jokes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And let's not forget the time that you know Prince Andrew would. This has been redacted by legal order. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all over yeah. Epstein. But like this. this, this <laughs> This idea of of its value, like, are you you're you're basically asking how are you basically asking how much money does it contribute to the state coffers? Is that like is no? I think this is the thing. I guess it comes down to the idea that value is not as value is in itself mm-hmm. a kind of a, a hard kind of thing to crack. And my, my point is, you, we we we're we are coached to think from the way from the way headlines are written that value is actually a very certain thing. Mm. When actually you might find there's four or five different ways to value something. You look at the actual. At costs and risks, you look at how much it actually means to you. You look at how what the how, how much it would cost to have the thing removed. You look at and and then and, and then the, the sentiment. And I was thinking of this because I I had, been, I had been reading an article about the Stradivarius violins and the various ones, and they're saying that while it, they're accepted to be priceless, but then they they generally it's very hard to actually work out what they're truly worth because they're only ever sold when an owner is in distress, either from a divorce or from a bankruptcy mm. or for something else. So, or an estate sale, which has to be quick as well. Yeah, yeah. So they're almost they're always so, sold uh, in, in in unsuitable. They're always sold in unsuitable market conditions. So. I think the like I mean, one of the one yeah. of the ways that you kind of you, you you benchmark businesses or you track success of businesses or or whatever is like that you look at KPIs or key performance indicators. One of those, for example, in a business would be turnover of staff mm-hmm. or would be staff morale. If you did a scoring, you know, you can get these companies in to to score the morale um, of 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 your of your staff, and that would be a KPI. And I think that that's where the Irish language comes in, and it comes in. At the end of, like, funnily enough, like in the culture part, like, and if you were to do an analogy with the business, you talk about what are the kind of the vision, the mission, vision, values of a company, what keeps the the, the, the company together, uh, what are the intangible things or the abstract things that keep a company together, keep people working together and keep that goodwill between um, sections, departments, whatever, what are the red threads that go through all of this? Uh, and that's where I think the value of the Irish language is. One of the hardest things for companies, especially large companies, multinationals, whatever, is to uh, to have a culture that's aligned, to have a culture across all of their different units or their departments that is aligned. And what they seek is an overarching, easily explainable heuristic or culture that, that uh, keeps everybody focused and facing the same way. Mm-hmm. And since the foundation of the state, the Irish language has been envisaged as one of those things. Yeah. Um, so I think that if you, like my personal completely biased belief, that is if you be- remove that, that there's no real reason to have a state anymore. Like we might as well just join the Brits again. Be fine. Mm-hmm. That'd be... Yeah. Oh, we, and we, then we could be valued as part of the greater British Isles whole. Well, so Yippee. when you think about it, like it's it's kind of using the logic that's applied by 
these these governments and and like governments all across Europe, all across the world, like in political theory, we sort of we saw the rise of of social democracy in the seventies, and that sort of gave way to neoliberalism, Thatcherite neoliberalism and Reaganism in the 80s. And we're still clutching to the last vestiges of that, despite the fact that like anybody with with any sense is saying that this is not working Mm -hmm. for us, we're still hanging on to that, that needs to to quantify everything, that needs to to sort of put it into business speak and say, what's the return on this? What's the ROI? What's the return on investment on on this cultural thing? And we, we see it all the time. I said all the time, the Ryder Cup is coming to Ireland. It's going to cost us 15 million, but it's going to it's going to bring 150 million to the economy. That's great. That's brilliant. I love to see that. Bring the Ryder Cup. That's cool. You are right. It brings things into the economy. But why is a bus route only spoken about in terms of cost? Mm-hmm. Why are you not talking about a bus route in the same way that that will bring loads of money into the economy? Because now we can connect people to this city or this town or this village, or we can keep people out of hospitals. We can keep people out of nursing homes. And likewise, the Irish language. But I mean, what Oscar's raising is very interesting because if you turn it on its head and if you actually go to that dark, dark neoliberal place and you say, right, let's talk business culture then. If we do eradicate the Irish language, if we get rid of the Irish language, you say, fine, it's costing us a fortune, it's costing us too much, let's eradicate it. Then what's our USP anymore mm. as a country? Like, what are mm. we? <laughs> we just, we Brits that are slightly... We're just uppity Brits. Yeah, we're slightly worse at football uh, <laughs> and a little bit better at, I don't know... Doing being, stuff. Being funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but the, the, the Scots are funny. The Scots, the Scots are really funny. Yeah, they've probably got funny. Yeah. I mean, they're they're funnier than us. Mm, they're. Mm. Well, like, you can thank your lucky stars, not Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the Welsh are funny. Welsh are funny. Welsh are funny. They're funny funny, funny looking. looking. <laughs> <laughs> But like, yeah. th- th- so like, if you want to couch it in strictly economic terms, then yeah, that's, I mean, some people, our old friend Ed Walsh would say it's a billion euro. It's quantified. Right. It's costing us a billion euro a year. That's what it is. And, and apparently that would recall, that would include um, uh, all of the Irish language schools, all of the Gael school, all of the schools in the Gael duct, all of the Irish language classes, all of the students who study Irish at any stage. And all of the teachers who teach it, so it's... Well, what value are names? What value What value are, are, are street names? What value are town names? What value are county names? What value the name of our country? What value the names of our rivers, mm. our mountains? It's like, this is huge value, like, and, and, and to... And I, I don't think that you can separate... I, like, I don't think... Yeah, you... I, like, I think... It's obviously very, very hard to value all that, but yeah. I don't think that you can take certain elements out and value them in isolation without considering. I think Monopoly does a good job yeah. of, of, like, you know, the way that, like, um, you know, Dame Street is worth more than Kimmage, mm-hmm. but uh, Adelaide Road is worth way more than both of those mm-hmm. even combined. So I mean, I mean, street names. Just look at the Monopoly board. <laughs> <laughs> Not the recent editions of Monopoly where, you know, DCU paid to be on the board. (laughs) They paid paid for exclusivity on the board. They wanted to be the only university on the new Irish Monopoly board. DCU. DCU. So now when you think of university in Ireland, what do you think of? It better be DCU because they paid a hell of a lot of money for that. <laughs> Did they get rid of Cambridge as well? I feel like they might have gotten rid of it. It's Cambridge. still there. Is it? It's in, no, it's in Dublin 12. It's, um, oh, off the Monopoly port. <laughs> Sorry. I thought you were talking about Dublin City Council's uh, <laughs> lesser known eradication policies. Yeah. I mean, I live there, so I hope they haven't You hope it's still there. I hope, I hope. Oh, you're going for a surprise when you get back. 
It's like Extreme Home Makeover, but with just total disappointment. Just oh my God. wiped out. Destruction, dystopia, all that jazz. Now, Kimmage is, uh, yeah, Kimmage has gone off the Monopoly board now. It's all, it's an all-Ireland version of it now, and it's incredibly esoteric. They've, they've and tried they don't to... use money, do they not? It's like cashless Monopoly is now. Is this Kimmage? <clears throat> no. <laughs> <laughs> they do use that's money you, in Kimmage. Yeah, they do, they do. Kimmage hasn't gone entirely cashless yet. No. It's getting but there. Because the, I remember they... they, they they had put Rathfarnham on the on the because the original stamp, Irish Monopoly board was all South Side addresses, and there was a, there was a, there was a few uh, kind of eyebrows raised at this. And then they was O'Connell Street not on it? I don't think it was. Actually. Was it not? Okay, or yeah. maybe I think it was all. It was I think I think it was the sold South Side addresses. Okay. Possibly they may have possibly been maybe just the, that one city centre one, but I think it was all because there was a, and then they decided to put to do revised and they put Rathfarnham on one of the brown one of the brown categories, like the Baltic Avenue kind of equivalents. And there was uproar. <laughs> there was uproar. This 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 was very shortly after Russell Carroll Kelly referred to Rathfarnham as a borderline zone. <laughs> <laughs> and like, so you can imagine people, that estate agents were up in arms. See, estate agents would put a value on street names and they put a value on where you're from. You, yeah. They'd quantify that shit in a heartbeat. And this is the thing. And, and they, they prefer like kind of like wanky, British Imperial type names anyway. Somerton Muse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somerton Muse. And this is the big Eglinton Boulevard. Oh, actually, yeah. No, there's actually a place in Harold's Cross opening, like a new housing place, estate, whatever you want to call it. I'd hate to call it an estate, I'm sure. But St. Pancras, they've called it St. Pancras. Oh, oh for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrific. It's really I mean, just... why stop there? Yeah. <laughs> Bootlick <Sure>. Avenue. <laughs> And it's beside Kenilworth, and it's beside like yeah, all those places. I think, but Kenilworth has, is a historical. It's yeah, yeah. it's like Kenilworth is old. I don't mind yeah. actual like you know, it's like they were here. You know, yeah, yeah, they yeah. got to name some stuff. That's all right. Like. There's a Cromwellsford Road. Yeah, that's fine. From yeah. where Cromwell had a fort. That's fine. We don't yeah. like Cromwell, yeah, yeah, but we fine. acknowledge yeah. the historical connection. Yeah, but we could do without the Chesterfield Avenues, please. Yes, yeah. thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> and St Pancras, when they could have had St. Whoever. I think we have lots of saints. Yeah, exactly, we've loads yeah. of saints. Like, <laughs> we have loads and loads. Of, we've got sexy Saint Brendan yeah. down in Kerry. Back back during the Tiger, I remember a stage and was saying, you know, don't have a saint. You know, you want you want your property to sell. Drop the saint from the from the the street name. Maybe also maybe don't have a, a don't have a Republican marsher anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, mm. no, nineteen sixteen. Yeah, no, <laughs> certainly not. Because yeah, if if you're uh, if you're on kind of a, on, on James Connolly ro- Road or if you're on on, on, on some, some or one of those names like or and An- Devon Park or Saint Saint Patrick's the Saint Patrick's cottages or any of those things. Villas. Yeah. Saint Patrick's villas. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in a villa. So these are these are the things they said. <laughs> Not to actually a villa. I grew up in a in a I grew up in a, uh, an end of terrace house on a road called Villas. But property does bring the big thing is because when we attribute value, the often it is the, the value is based on the understanding that the that the thing in question belongs to a person. Yeah. And when, this is one of the reasons there's a difficulty in valuing Irish because you say who owns it what is the value of of the Irish language the treasury of the Irish language to individual Irish speakers to the state those are very different valuations yeah also the fact that you're we're trying to give it away to as many people as possible yeah. all the time it's open source yeah yeah and mm. it's very difficult to put uh, it's non-proprietary then because we're not there's no exclusivity you don't buy into some people would say there is and that we're an exclusive club, but we're also apparently trying to shove it down everyone's throat at the same time. So, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 tough to it's tough to put a monetary tag onto onto that. I think I think it's far better sort of being viewed in, in 
in terms, like Oscar was saying earlier, like as an ethos, as something that sort of ties us together as, as, a, as a unique selling point for the island. I think if anybody's interested in that uh, concept of, of, of the Irish language as a, as a KPI or as a, as a kind of a USP for, for Ireland, like you should read um, Finbar Bradley's books. He's got like two or three out. I think uh, Gone Beans at the Gate, um, <coughs> the, the Green, was it like the... There's a few of them by Finbar, uh, and 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 they'd be worth checking out for any of the the listeners who are interested in this, like because he really talks about how the Irish language and Irish culture is a is a is a root system or is a grounding system for uh, for business and for enterprise, and that it buys goodwill from from Irish people and recognition of uniqueness from abroad. Yeah, it's the Irish edge. The Irish edge. The Irish edge. And capitalising on culture. Capitalising culture, yeah. 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 And, and, and Finbar at the Gate is the best title. <laughs> at the Gate is brilliant. And Finbar, Finbar is definitely kind of, um, he's a Kionrody, what's Kionrody in English? Pioneer. He's a pioneer uh, for um, for the Irish language as a as a worthwhile uh, weapon in the arsenal of business. Like. Yeah, I see. I thought when you started that sentence that like if anybody is interested in Irish as like mm. uh, you know a key point in mm. key performance indicator, give me money. <laughs> give, me, <laughs> give me money. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> Pay me. Pay me. <laughs> PayPal link and bio. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did you enjoy Irish today? <laughs> Pay me. <laughs> How many words of Irish did you use today? Oh, you used three words of Irish and seven words of Hiberno English, so I'm afraid. <laughs> and I need to invoice you. <laughs> This episode is sponsored by Fáris na Gaelge, who are celebrating 20 years of promoting the Irish language. Here is just one of the projects I do. As well as promoting the Irish language in every aspect of education, Fáris na Gaelge promotes and supports Irish language learning and its use as a lifelong process. Fáris na Gaelge has two major schemes which target the education sector and young people the Summer Camp Scheme and Youth Defence Scheme. Through this scheme, up to 170 camps and youth clubs are organised throughout the island every year. This spoke of the wheel is most clearly seen through the work of Gaelin, Cumnavian and Gaelidachas. It is also promoted through Gaelvratok, a flag for promoting Irish in primary and post-primary schools. The Gaelvratok Scholarship Scheme, where up to 500 learners, including young people, adults and families, are given an opportunity to attend the Gaelvratok course every year. And a fund to support early education and new crashes. Follow Ferris na Gaelge at Ferris na Gaelge, that's F-O-R-A-S, M-A-G-A-E-I-L-G-E on Instagram to keep up to date on opportunities and to find out more. The problem with that then is like while Irish gives you a competitive edge in business and it does and we've seen the Millward Brown survey that Conan Nguelga did a couple of years ago people are more likely to opt whether they have Irish or not in Ireland they're more likely to opt for bilingual packaging Mm -hmm. they're more likely to be favourable towards something a company that uses its branding its marketing in Ireland like uh, Kia uh, motors, the yeah, car company, Balia yeah. Kia, hilarious, and everybody got it, and it was Oscarelga, brilliant, yeah. fantastic. It does give you that edge. It is, um, and I say this as someone who is active in the Irish language. It's fucking difficult to monetize. Yeah, like <laughs> it's hard to make a living out of this shit. You would have to be some kind of uh, marketing agency 
where the company, the the big global international, go here. Listen, we want to just de-brand a little. We want to like fucking localize. Localize, this stuff. yeah. And uh, we go, okay, well, give us your stuff. We could do it here. We could spitball like and just come out with three or four taglines that are funny or whatever, and then see. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That would but, be the only way you could kind of monetize that. Like, but what it does show is that these big companies recognise this and they're not doing it for any tear or any love of country or anything like that. No, the, the they're bell, doing it for a dollar. Like, no, yeah, that's it. Like. The, the, the Bell Koreans behind Kia yeah. uh, are not no. exactly, oh, we need to push the national agenda. Oh, <laughs> yeah. why Kia? Very funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they get, they, sitting back at home in Seoul yeah. going, oh, that's very good. That's a really good play on <laughs> words, that is. Like, and then they say, I got baby shark, that's gas, because shark means darling. Same <laughs> <laughs> with Koreans. Great bunch of lads. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. oh, didn't Lewis Capaldi have Lewis as in L U A S Capaldi on Lewis's for ads for his concerts? That's genius. It That's is. Really in fairness, good. it really, really is. Yeah. I anyway, was mixing him up with Peter Capaldi for way too long. <laughs> I like, don't know who either of them are. Peter Capaldi was in the thick of it. He played Malcolm Tucker. Oh, yeah. He was Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just imagine, like, if he's playing a, a sold-out concert in the three arena. <laughs> <laughs> Where he just stream of consciousness Just stream swears. of swears and everyone, like... <laughs> it took, you mentioned before about the idea that Irish being open access, mm. and we are, well, we want more and more people to use it. And the idea that say yes and whatever about the cost of the state, the value to the citizen and the value to the actually to the resident of Ireland of actually having access to Irish and both in terms of their own personal enjoyment and employment prospects and as well as their own enrichment of being not being monolingual. And are there other other points? There's a there's an interesting like the, the, the perennial trope about like, you know, why are we learning Irish and not um, Cantonese, Cantonese, yeah, mm. yeah, and Spanish and French and stuff, and the 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 ability of people to do this mental gymnastics where they convince themselves that not being bilingual is a better tactic for learning foreign languages. Foreign languages, yeah, and uh, and like in terms of value, like that's a huge value. Imagine if we, unlike all other Anglophone countries, were really good at learning other languages. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is the best way for us to do this? What's the first stepping stone? It's like, be bilingual with our own language, like, yeah. or our own two languages, if you wish. It's like, those two languages that were equally comfortable in both, we would be head and shoulders above nearly every other Anglophone country in, 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 in learning third languages, like, if we were able to do that. But no, people convince themselves, no, that your brain is only so big and can only take so many languages. I saw, I saw um, a tweet uh, earlier on today about... Um, Joe McHugh's recent decision to kind of enshrine the status of history because mm. people were like oh you can't take history off the juniors of course it's important Those are, and he said okay well, well we'll give history special status and you know it'll be as close to mandatory as, as a non-core subject can be and somebody put up their gun but there'll be less time for science I'm like there's no what do you how come fuck <laughs> like <laughs> Jesus wept like <laughs> But it always strikes me. It's funny that the, 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 they can chop and people can say chop and change subjects. That, that there's a zero sum game, and no, yeah. and yeah. people think the only solution, the only movable piece in education is are these are, are humanities or languages or the Irish language or certain humanities. No one ever says, "What if we added a week to the school year? We added kind of twenty minutes <laughs> of the school day." Not only that, it's like the stuff that they want to prioritize: the maths, the science, and all of this stuff. All of which will be like monetized. A well, not monetized. Um, will be. Uh, what is it? Um, 
automated. All of this stuff. Like, oh, you yeah. know, it's like <laughs> we're learning it's, how to be redundant. We're learning as how to be redundant. Possible. It's like it's the science stuff, it's the math stuff, all of that will not really be needed. Like what humans will be required for is the abstract, is the uh, ethereal, is the, is the imagination, is the creative. That's what computers and robots won't be able to do. But yet we're determined to rid our education system of all of those bits that make us uh, what we are. What we are. It make us what we are. Like yeah. it's, it's um, this, this idea that like I learned Irish and now I can't boil an egg. It's <laughs> like... He, I, what no, you, I can't learn French. What are you talking about? Like, mm-hmm. I learned Irish, so now I can't learn French. Or I learned Irish, so now I um I can't count. You know, it's like <laughs> it's. I mean, uh, yeah. The, it's the, either you know when the Battle of Clontarf happened, or you can speak Irish. You can't have. You both. can't have both. No. You can't have both. No, God forbid you would learn the language that Brian Brew himself fucking spoke. <laughs> you know, but learning about things, and it does, it does. Uh, the worst thing is that all of this dialogue, all of this conversation, all of this talking about Irish as a cost rather than uh, an addition to the corpus, it all comes from this idea that English is the default, that English is the natural state of being. And there we go. And it's it's centrism one one. It's like drawing a line right now and saying any further changes to society I will not tolerate. Up until this point, we have been progressing, we have been moving, we have been, you know, Irish nearly died out and it came back. There was Avioke and the Gwelga and it's come back and it's sort of decoupled itself from the Catholic Church. It's become a cool secular language. But no further now, okay? We have to stop. We have to stop now because I'm uncomfortable. And it's making me feel a little bit, I don't know, self-conscious about my own lack of Irish or whatever it might be. And I've got an Irish examiner column to fill. And I, I just, I need just to stop. I need society to stop progressing right now. You mm-hmm. know? Listen, it's fine. We allowed you to travel to Liverpool, women. But getting abortions here in Ireland? No. Stop. Stop now. Line in the sand. It's this idea that nay plus ultra, no further should society travel than right now when I'm writing my fucking column <laughs> and it's it's just it's just ridiculous and it comes from this idea that where we are right now mm-hmm. speaking a language that's not native to these shores is apparently the way things should be and in that's so ingrained that people turn around there was one guy sent me a tweet a while ago <laughs> he mm-hmm. said uh, um Irish is no more relevant to Ireland than Cherokee is to America it's the 21st oh, century yeah. get over it I was like going yeah we could ask the Cherokee what they think about that, you know. Um, Luckily, you know, we haven't been, you know, decimated like the Cherokee. Absolutely. Like, you know, we actually still have an ability to, to, to turn that around. Yeah, absolutely. Not like, no, let's just let it die. Like, let it die, like, it yeah, die. that's fine. Should the Cherokee have a great time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because in terms of the actual the, the values, the, the, the great values that come with mon- monolingualism and just speaking English in a world where other people speak English as a second language fairly well, that's becoming and, and after and after Brexit and other issues, there's going to be yes, how, what will the, the value of the English language be at that point as a language of business? There's this big discussion now. Is effectively the only reason that English is still pushing ahead is the battle between whether German, Italian, French, or or Spanish actually get to be the um, get to get to be the kingmaker in Brussels. I, I, and I, 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 I have to be honest with you. English is not going anywhere. It's a language of international mm-hmm. commerce. It's not going anywhere mm-hmm. simply because of 
um, over a billion Indians who learn it at some stage in the school yeah. system because it's the second it's the second language of choice for the Swedes, the Danes, the Finns, yeah. the Norwegians. Uh, many of them use English to communicate with each other as a lingua yeah. franca. It's not going anywhere, and that's grand. It has its value as an international language of communication, of trade, of diplomacy, of business. What French used to be in the 1800s. Yeah. Diplomats used to all have to learn French because that's what you spoke to each other, no matter which diplomat, which country you were from. But now we're at the stage where like monolingual countries are the ones that are going to be at a, a massive market disadvantage for many, many reasons because of the the mental acrobatics that you have to go through to just try and interpret someone. I take take case in point, Greta Thunberg, right? Yeah. Greta Thunberg is travelling uh, around the world um, by yacht, which is fucking carbon free, fantastic, where you go Greta, telling people in her second language at the age of 16, 17, how this crisis has driven her to the brink of anxiety and Changing we need to do something. She's with her second language. Second language. And it's frightening the living shit out of 50-something-year-old men who don't have a second language. It's yeah. absolutely petrifying, the Anglophone, right-wing columnist world, the people who subscribe to this idea, this neoliberal idea that everything has a value, that, oh, we can't, we can't save the world. It's going to cost us money. Like, we can't save the world for Greta Thunberg and her generation because I don't want to pay five cent extra on a litre of petrol or I don't want to stop taking foreign holidays or I don't want to stop eating foie gras or whatever it is. Like, it, it's just... Monolingualism is an absolute pox. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that is that. And we're going to pull back on this. There's going to be a lot on the cutting room floor this yeah, one. Yeah, but... I think in fairness, like if you're coming from a place where English is your first language or you consider it to be your first language, it's completely fine to learn Irish from that base. I mean, mm -hmm. like you can't like, yeah. you know, like nobody is disputing that. You have, to, you have to start you somewhere. Know? Exactly, mm -hmm. yeah. You know, so like we're definitely not saying that like, you know, you're terrible if you think that English is your first language. Oh, English God, no. No. no English is my first language. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's all our first language. So, like, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, just to make that clear. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Like, the, 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 I think we've, I've often said it anyway, it doesn't matter where you are, like, it's like, how you got here is fine. Yeah. It's like, if you have desire to go further, go further, like, exactly. if you don't, that's also fine. Yeah. But just don't make up excuses that aren't actually, I yeah. don't want to, because... Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you don't want it, that's fine. Just say you don't want it. Just say you don't want it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. And and to be honest with you, it would probably be a healthier national conversation if mm. instead of saying we can't do X, Y, Z to promote the Irish language because of the cost. How about we just said, no, hang on a second. No, we can bring the Ryder Cup in. No, you know, no, we can I'm, do I'm, all of these things. Yeah, how, about we, yeah, yeah, how about we just said we want to be a monolingual society. That's... That's the direction we've yeah, chosen for the country. Let's remove it out of the constitution. Let's, yeah. you know, let's do what we need to do to, to, to get rid of it. And if we came to that and that was democratic, yeah, that's grand. That's fine. I wouldn't actually pay any heed, but... Or tax. Or tax. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's... No, it's, 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 it's a perfectly fine viewpoint. It's when there's this uh, doublespeak or when there's this uh, hypocrisy, like in what people are saying. Um, I think one of the interesting things at the moment, especially with what's on social media at the moment, like in terms of Gaelga uh, for all, um, is this idea of what right, now this is probably for another podcast, <laughs> what right do 60, 70% of the country have to impose uh, bilingual education on 
the rest. You know, at what stage can a, a group or how big does a group have to be to opt out and to go, actually, no, we want just monolingual English and we're, we're absolutely fine with that. Um, mm. Because, it's a, you know, yeah. there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a rights issue there as well. Like, But, but I mean, when you look at how other minority groups have, have, have dealt with, with this. Like, you're not talking about people, you're not talking about people opting out and sort of setting up their own schooling system. In, mm. for example, the way that the Church of Ireland used to have to and... Um, yeah, no, the way, I, think, I think if they want their own the system, the, they should opt out and do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's <laughs> yeah. it. Like, the, the Muslim community have a school, mm. um, but I mean, they, they took the advantage and they went and they set up a, a, a Muslim school, you know, and like, my mate own teaches there, he's not a Muslim. Mm. You know what I mean? He's, uh, he, he's, uh, <laughs> He, he's, he teaches he teaches Irish funny enough up there but I mean they they love they've, it I they love it. of course <laughs> sure it's part of like it's part of the culture yeah yeah um, but like funny. yeah if you want to opt out and go out just go ahead go ahead do it like just do it but it's the the problem is saying like no 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 we refuse we refuse we demand the state provide us with mm. monolingual education that's kind of that's where you get like well the state has the state has a responsibility to the Irish language and long may that continue mm-hmm I think it's very dangerous too. Like if you start with the conclusion, you're just going to kind of try and keep finding evidence to support that conclusion, the whole confirmation bias thing. Mm-hmm. Where so if you say, oh, Irish is really costly and everything else, you're going to keep finding things to support that statement, even mm-hmm. when that may not actually be true. You're just reading that in whatever newspaper you're reading it in or whatever else. So be aware of that, I guess, mm-hmm. that actually you really shouldn't be starting with a statement that you should actually be trying to kind of look at the fact before you say anything yourself. Yeah, I tried not to start with the conclusion that monolingualism is a pox. <laughs> but all the evidence is there. I we don't think it's just I don't think it's confirmation bias. I think I think yeah, it's oh, no, insurmountable. No. <laughs> no, no, I agree. I agree definitely. I think it's more for the Irish is costly thing that it's just it's yeah. not really true. Sometimes exactly. depending. Um. Ending on that diplomatic <laughs> note. And on that note on that note, you know, I mean um they say a cynic knows the price of everything, the value of nothing. We wish you a very uncynical afternoon <laughs> or an evening or whatever the hell time you're listening <laughs> to this podcast. We thank you for letting us in your headphones. It's a slant from me. It's a slant from me. A slant from me. A slant from me. Catch you next time. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Landlords of people. (laughs) Barely.